I like the phrase, it should be fun. And if it's not fun, you're probably doing work or you have a job and, and you can actually change that. And then thinking about differently, like, oh my God, I get to do these things. Like I get to promote stuff for me or I get to take photos of people and like that could be my career. Isaac, who's the videographer for a lot of our content, we get to travel around the world making videos about people. Like how cool is that? And so thinking about what do you have within your network or within your abilities to make it easier and enjoyable for yourself to be successful. You're listening to The Brands That Book Show, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs who want practical tips and strategies to build engaging brands and craft high-converting websites. We're your hosts, Davey and Krista, co-founders of a brand and website design agency specializing in visual brand design and show-it websites. You're listening to The Brands That Book Show. All right, I am really excited about this week's episode because it features founder and CEO of AppSumo, Noah Kagan. And Noah is somebody that I've probably been following for about a decade now. And I've been on his email list for a long, long time. And his newsletter is one of the few newsletters that I still read on a weekly basis. But Noah has joined me on the podcast today to discuss his upcoming book, Million Dollar Weekend how to launch a seven-figure business in 48 hours. So that should give you a good idea of what we're chatting about in today's episode. And if you're interested in that, you should check out Million Dollar Weekend. It should be available on Amazon around the same time this episode airs. But before you do that, head on over to the show notes and look for a link to enter our giveaway where we'll be giving away at least two copies of Noah's book, Million Dollar Weekend. So check out the show notes for how to enter. It's simple and it's free to enter. So head on over there. But today I've really enjoyed chatting with Noah about how to create a viable business idea and find your first customers without having to create anything at all. One thing that we do mention in the episode, and I'm not sure if we fully explain it, but I actually recently became the CEO of a software company that acquired SumoMe. SumoMe is a lead generation tool. It does things like forms and pop-ups, and it's actually a tool that Noah and his team developed. So to learn more about SumoMe and its new direction, head on over to sumome.com, or again, go to the show notes, and I've included a couple links that will fill you in on all of the details there, but I won't spend any more time in the introduction going over that. But needless to say, I had a lot of fun interviewing Noah and chatting with him about building a seven-figure business in 48 hours. As always, links and resources can be found in the show notes. Check them out at davianchrista.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review over at Apple Podcasts. Now, on to the episode. Yeah, so I read the book. I thought it was awesome. I feel like along the lines of all your content, super tactical, you know, stuff that you can just really walk away with and implement. So I loved it. I'm excited to share the book with our community. And if you're listening to this, we're going to do a giveaway. I've already pre-ordered three copies that will be given away. So we'll be doing that. Dude, thank you so much. That's awesome. Yeah, the book is, it's 20 years in the making, you know, Zuckerberg, working for Zuckerberg, working, helping start mint.com and then trying so many different things over the years to finally be able to get appsumo.com. And yeah, I was thinking about it this morning. There's so many books that are very fluffy, like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Like I read that a long time ago and I was like, well, I want to, I want to rich dad and a rich mom. <laughs> <laughs> but then I was like, well, what do I do? Yeah. And it's like buy real estate. And I was like, well, that sucks. Yeah. Right. And then there's some of these books that are like, here's how to run Facebook ads. And I'm like, well, that that's outdated and it, it's too recipe based. Yeah. And so it was really through honestly years of putting this stuff together. It's like, well, what's really holding people back and how to help them very tactively in a really short amount of time with no extra money. Yeah. I think we did that. The examples that you go into in the book, you know, I guess one thing you just posted on social media, right? You just posted about how you're going to start a business in the next 48 hours and you were sourcing ideas on what business you're going to start just to prove that, that this stuff works. And you talk about some of these examples in the book as well. And I thought it was just fascinating, but the templates that you give to go out and find your first customers, they were just eye-opening, especially, you know, as I think about Sumo, yeah. you know, the stage we're in right now with this transition, we'll talk a little bit more about that. I'm sure in the interview. But yeah, I mean, I just thought it just spurred ideas. Yeah, Million Dollar Weekend is exciting. I mean, Sumo Me, which you guys now own, started that way. It was going out and like solving our own problem, which we wanted more emails for AppSumo. And then it was like, well, do other people really want this? And then going to Tim Ferriss and Pat Flynn and other friends and be like, hey, we're going to build this stuff. You guys going to give us money? You guys going to use it? They're like, yeah, we'll use it. All right. Yeah. And, and I think most people, though, they do the opposite. They're like, I want to build a software business. It's like, well, I need a developer and then I need funding. 
I need to go research SaaS development software, and then I need to buy more tools on AppSumo. When you could really go and find three customers within a weekend to see if they'll actually buy email collection, which is kind of the approach that we took similarly with SumoMe. And then you realize you can apply that on a lot of different things. Yeah. And how do you do it for free? So if you want to build a photography business, all right, how do I get three clients this weekend? Or if I want to do software specifically, let's say in the software example, could I use free tools to deliver the solution someone actually needs and see if I can really get customers for it? Whereas most people are like, I need to build it and spend six months and then and beta test it. And in 48 hours, you could have actually found if people wanted it or not. I've definitely made that mistake. So I'm, I'm hoping to save people a lot of time, money, and frustration. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest mistakes. I look back at the different businesses I've started and the ones that I think failed or didn't do well were just because I was like scared to share about it. Or I thought I had to wait to share about it until the idea was like fully formed or it got to this magical place where everything was perfect. And whereas the businesses that I started that have done really well are just businesses that literally, I mean, the ad agency, for instance, it's like I sent probably 50 emails to friends of mine being like, hey, you know, I'm doing this now. I've had success doing it, doing it for myself for a while. Let me know if you know anybody's interested in this. And most of them responded was like, oh, I'm interested in this. That's how it started. Again, and similar to what you put forth in the book, it took $0 to do that, just emails. Two questions there. How did the agency do? How did, did it end up getting six, seven figures? Where did it end up going to? Yeah, yeah. It ended up getting seven figures. And as you know, I just exited to take on to this new role with SumoMe. And I think what's interesting is just another example. I know, you, you know, you're involved with, with Todd and, and show it, you know, if people are doing photography, if they're doing weddings, if they're doing any of these types of agency related businesses, I got an email similarly two weeks ago where it was my friend saying, Hey, my friend is a photographer. If you need anything for weddings, for maternity, for engagements, for headshots, like, please reply to her. She sent it out to 10 people. I replied and now we're booking a session with her. Yeah. And it's like, Oh. Huh, I guess there is another way. But the thing that's also fascinating with Million Dollar Weekend from doing it myself and from seeing so many other people is a lot of people can understand that, but then they're still afraid. Yeah. I think that was definitely one of the, the key biggest pieces in the book that like, how do we help people take action right away and overcome the fears, not even they're aware of, but are subconsciously holding them back? Yeah. What are some of those fears you feel like? Like, what are the typical fears that are holding people back? It's interesting because there's two levels of fears. There's the, the levels that people identify. And those we actually literally, it's the beginning of the book called Frequently Made Excuses. And it's like, I don't have money. I don't have ideas. I'm not technical. I don't have time. I have too many ideas. I need help as a founder, co-founder. I don't have any social media. I don't have the network for it. And these are all solved. Those are all solvable. But the real fears, those are just the surface level excuses that are, are really able to be crushed pretty quickly. But the real fears are the ability to get going. So I want to do an agency. You just like just yourself, Davey, you did the awesome idea of you just went and sent the email. Yeah. And so there are other ways of doing it, other, other validation approaches. And then so how do people get going in the starting, the fear of getting going and the fear of potentially getting rejected and finding out that it's not so bad to get that ego hit. Now, the second one, though, is the fear of asking. So it's the fear of asking someone like yourself did to be an agency, the fear of asking someone to be a customer for SumoMe, the fear of asking someone to be a customer at AppSumo.com. Or, you know, my YouTube videos, you know, it's asking people that I knock on their doors to be a customer to what they do for a living, which is kind of embarrassing and it's uncomfortable, but it's a skill that everyone can practice. And in the book, we have a lot of, you know, the coffee challenge where you ask for a discount or even recently I was, we were talking this weekend, I was in Sarasota, Florida at Siesta Key Beach. <laughs> and I love doing it. It's a practice. It's not that it's, it's something that uh, you get fearless. You just do it over and over enough and you realize this is all business is the fear of asking it's something to get better at. And so I was at a store, I think it was called Continental or something like that over at Siesta Key. And I was buying blankets, blanket towels for the beach. And I was like, just do it. Don't give yourself that, that excuse, you know, the three second excuse. We're like, well, you know, I don't need to, Yeah. right? Like don't negotiate with yourself. And I like the three second rule. I think it makes it a lot easier. So I was going up the counter. I was like, do I have to ask for a discount? I'm like, yeah, just do it. And I just did it. I said, hey, can I get a discount on these towels? Because, and he's like, yeah, I'll give you 30% off one of them. Like, <laughs> really? It's silly. It's silly. It's kind of goofy, right? Who cares about a discount on a towel? But you realize as you become stronger at asking that a lot of the business stuff is pretty trivial, but all business and really life is, is asks, right? And yeah. if you ask for things, you can start getting the things you actually want versus getting the things you're getting. And so, yeah, I got a discount, but also a few days before that, I asked for a, a room upgrade. I was like, can I have a free one? She's like, why? I was like, I don't know, because I'm visiting. <laughs> they said, No. <laughs> <laughs> and then I smiled. And I said, all right, well, thanks for trying. Yeah. 
And there's no real downside, but the upside is I got a cool room for free. Downside is like a moment of discomfort. And really, as you can start applying that to your other aspects of business specifically, start realizing there's a lot of other ways uh, how your salary can be, who your customers can be, who your employees can be. And really all businesses is that. And so those are the two kind of things that on the deeper level hold people back from you know, really getting going and, and success in these businesses. And I think this is one of those things where, you know, even when you get rejected, a lot of times you just learn a lot along the way. I started listening to your podcast. I mean, I don't know. I actually went back and looked at the first email that I ever received from you. Oh, it was wow. back in 2017. And I think, you know, I was actually kind of surprised. You know, I thought it was actually, I thought I started subscribing before that, but that's the earliest I could, I could find. I remember mowing the lawn, listening to your podcast but for a long time, you know, that's been one of your things, right? Is just getting over this fear of rejection. And so that's something that I found that to be one of the more beneficial practices is this practice of asking for a discount, going to a, just coffee shop, getting a coffee, asking for a discount. And you realize, you know, just flexing that little muscle right there, you just realize at the end of the day, it's like, you know, they're just going to say no a lot of the time. And that's the worst. That's the worst of it right there. I feel like that has helped me so much over the course of the last five plus years as an entrepreneur. It's one of these things people don't realize how powerful it is. I interview a lot of billionaires on the YouTube channel and I've worked for billionaires, you know, Zuckerberg and Moskowitz and all these guys. And one of the, and again, this is something that no one's actually saying, but what they're all saying is that selling and which is really asking has been one of the most powerful reasons they've been successful. Like John Paul DeJoria, who did Paul Mitchell hair care and Patron. He's like, I'm a master salesman. Let me show you. I was like, oh, that's good. And so just getting better and practicing it in kind of silly ways. And I even do it like compliments. I saw this person with nice shoes recently. I was like, oh, where'd you get the shoes from? She's like, JC Penney's. I was like, nice. Those look great. I want to get them for my girlfriend. And you do that. And then you also get in, you know, the first fear of just getting going and just getting going. You're like, oh my God, I've been like, I was talking to this guy, Jake, who wrote the book and Jake's got a day job with three kids and he's busy. I don't know how he's doing life. And he's like, man, I've been thinking about this business idea, golf business for two years. And the fact that I said, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try to get customers and, and follow some of your framework in 48 hours. Let me see what can happen. And so he was telling me today how he's got like more than five customers. He's got his golf business going. He's got a trip coming up in April for his customers. He's like, yeah, but just didn't, I never just got going. Yeah. So it's like, how does he get in that now, not how mindset, which is the idea of like, even for myself at home, I'll think about it. Like if there's stuff on the ground, I was like, oh, I'll get it later. It's just like, just do it right now. Yeah. And the more you start doing that, you realize like, oh man, I've been waiting too long to get going on the things I want. Yeah, well, maybe you could speak to that a little bit. And, and maybe at the same time, you could share a little bit about how AppSumo got started. And yeah, just give us a little background on you know how you validated that idea. And that's something you talk a little bit about in the book as well. Definitely. I mean, AppSumo today will do somewhere around 80 plus million dollars a year in revenue just to give people like where wow. we are today, which is insane. I think it's insane. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> but it started, it started with me in a basement in Haight-Ashbury in San Francisco, identifying a problem that I had. And in the book and so forth, we have different ways that we break out how you can find businesses to start. And I think the best way is to solve your own problems. And everyone has a lot more problems they realize. Just literally take out your phone and look at breakfast, lunch, and dinner and write down two things that were either annoying you or opportunities in each of those categories. And you, you have six different business opportunities right there. I wanted software deals at good prices. I like a good deal. Like if I ever got a yacht, I would name it good price. <laughs> and, um, and probably ask for a I got discount. a good deal on the yacht. Yeah. With AppSumo, yeah, I was in this basement thinking, man, I want to have deals on software. And I saw MacHeist, which was like this deal software business. And I was like, maybe I could try it out. Let me see if I could do it this weekend. So I hired a guy named Muhammad for 12 bucks an hour. And I can refer him to people who need a developer. Still, maybe it's $13 an hour now with uh, inflation. It's been 13, 14 years since we worked together. Me and him put a PayPal button on a website, AppSumo.com. And then the problem I was trying to solve, and this is where most people get wrong in, in starting a business. They're like, what's the solution I have? Let me go find a problem. I built this cool AI thing. Let me go find customers. It's like, no, no, no. Start with the customer. Start with the problem. Then find the solution. And most people just do that backwards. And that's why they're not having success. It's software as a service, right? So the service is really the, the thing. And so you have to serve a customer regardless of the business. And so with AppSumo, I was like, well, customers are on Reddit. I'm a Redditor. What's a problem they have? Like maybe they too want discounts on software. Like I, is the problem I'm trying to solve? What's the software that they want? And it was Imgur, which is not as popular today, but back then it was like everybody used Imgur for photos. And so I just cold emailed Imgur, asked for to see if I could do discounts on software. I told him I'd pay him $7 for everyone I sold of his premium service. Normally there was $24. 
And then I cold emailed the founders of Reddit and I asked if they would give me free ad space. And they said, sure, because they're starting up their new ad service. And then, so then I basically within a very short amount of time had a website that was built for $48. The domain was 12. I posted on Reddit, hey, I have this imager for $12, which is normally 24, half off. And then we sold within about a week, 200 copies. I sold it at $12 and I gave Alan seven uh, and I made $5 for every sale. And so very quickly, I was able to understand, wow, there's something here that people want. And just to give you the complexity of our business at that time, people would hit the PayPal button, send me $12. And through my Gmail, I would email them their premium code to get Imgur Premium. And then I would email them again, say, hey, what's the next software tool you would like? And there was no backend. There was no real website. There was no CRM. There was no ads. There was no other complexities. But, you know, you fast forward that today, that $12 now turned into... Maybe two days ago, I think we did $453,000 in one day in sales. And this is every major business like Google, Airbnb, Facebook. They all started as weekend hobbies or side hustles with one sale. And so most people don't ever get to the million because they're never getting one. And so you you mentioned at the beginning of the show, I'm going to prove it again tomorrow doing the same thing, right? So a million dollar weekend is finding out if it's a million dollar opportunity, which there's market research and how you can do that in a very quick amount of time. But then also validating if it's something that eventually can be to where AppSumo is or beyond. So tomorrow, we're going to pick one of the ideas from the customers. I think the three so far that we're excited to, to try out is a lawn care business. And again, I'm not going to use my email list. I'm not going to post on Twitter. I'm only going to use mostly outreach and, and validation methods that are available to anyone worldwide for free. But lawn care business, another one suggested maybe some AI thing just to see if I can do something with that. And then a software business, just kind of like AppSumo. I think we're going to do a DocuSign alternative because that's a problem that I, I hate paying for DocuSign. Yeah, yeah. I hate monthly subscriptions in general. It's really about Sumo, but I want to see if I can sell it and, and get validation without building anything, which is, is what we teach in the book. Yeah, and I think that would be really interesting to watch, especially since it is software. So I think a lot of people would assume you have to build something, some sort of MVP uh-huh. before you before you sell it. One of the things that's so interesting about the AppSumo origin story and you cold emailing Reddit and getting a response. Was that a calculated move, knowing that they were trying to start their ad service and so that it might be beneficial for them? I guess really the question I'm getting at is like, how did you develop the skill of being able to cold email people and yeah. get you know positive responses? Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure there's rejection along the way, but it seems like you've had some success there. That's why the book starts out with asking. So how do you practice asking and getting better at asking? At milliondollarweekend.com for free, we have all the scripts and templates that are included in the book. So people want to see exactly the emails I sent, they can, they can copy that. But it, I'll break it down for anyone that they could use it, whether whatever business you're doing. If you're doing an agency business, if you're doing a website that's using SumoMe or whatever you guys are going to be calling it. A lot of the people listening are agencies, right? Yeah, I would say we have a lot of, we started as a podcast for service-based businesses. A lot of people in the wedding industry, a lot of photographers. Yeah, yeah. So let me give you a few exact scripts that everyone can use that's in the service business that I would copy. So Let me share the one I used and how you can use it in your own service business. So with Alan, he was a college student. So specifically, I emailed him and I said, promoting you to thousands of people. I said, hey, Alan. So again, think about it. I always think about the acronym WIFT, what's in it for them. Mm -hmm. So with Alan, I was like, I'm promoting you to thousands of people. He's like, well, that sounds cool. So if you're a photographer, here's an easy way to get a lot of clients. Do free photos to begin with. I know you may not want to do it, but especially if you're just getting going. Then I said, Alan, I'm an Imgur, so compliment them. I'm an Imgur user. I love your stuff. I'd like to promote you on Reddit. I will pay you at zero cost to you. There's no work to you. $7 for every license. And for software, there's no cost to him. So it's a no brainer. How does that sound? Can we talk on AIM? This was 13, 14 years ago. Amazing. And I put my phone number in there. So a few things to take away from that is that if you're doing a service business, what's in it for them right away from the title or subject line? How do you kind of compliment or give someone something that recognizes what you appreciate? Make it a clear call to action. So I said, I want to promote you on Reddit, no cost. I'll pay you to do this. Can we talk at this time? And so you want to make it a very clear call to action versus people are like, this is the worst thing you could say. Let me know. (laughs) All right. So for a service business, another way you could think about this is who have you taken photos of? Who have you done in the past? And now for service business, the two issues that they're facing is how do you ask for referral in this business or how do you make your business more consistent? So what I would do if I was service, I'd look at anyone I've taken videos in the past of, and I'd say, hey, I loved working together with you. Here's one of the photos. I remember this experience that we had. Who is one person that you think is going to need this specific service, maternity, headshots, wedding, specifically? And so making it a one very clear request. 
The other thing I would say for these service businesses, how do you make it recurring? Like I just hired a photographer off Snapper, snapper.co. So I would go and look, how do you get lead gen? But then how do you turn it into recurring revenue, especially for service business? So specifically, when do people need photos more often? So for me, I do YouTube videos. So you can get business from Snapper or whatever it is, like Thumbtack. And then this photographer I just hired from that, once you got the client, be like, hey, try to think about what is something every month or every quarter I can now sell to this person. Hey, do you do videos? Hey, can I do real estate? Hey, do you need family photos? And you're starting thinking like, oh, wow, like I can create more consistent revenue from doing that. Yeah. On the other side of that, just to, to quickly add, I then emailed Reddit and I, and I said, hey, referred by. So if you're doing service businesses, say who you're referred by. So I just said, hey, I'm friends with Chris Smoke. He seems like he knows you or he knows you. Can we have breakfast to talk about me working with Reddit? And so when you're messaging someone, you can also just say referred by this person. And then people will pretty much 100% open and about 70 to 80% reply to you if you're referred by someone else. I almost never, almost never do cold. Yeah. But if I'm doing cold, I make it such an outlandish offer <laughs> that they just can't, like for Alan, there's that, to get a bunch of money and customers at no cost and no work for him, like it's a no brainer for him to respond. Yeah. And I think the brilliant part about the email, right, is because you're asking a specific question that's either a yes or a no. I think people feel more of a responsibility to, to reply yes or no versus, you know, the let me know, or if that sounds good to you, reach out, you know, whatever it is where it's like, well, nobody comes to mind maybe right now. So I won't let you know, like I won't even respond. Right. Whereas if you ask, Hey, give me the name of one person that might be interested in this. Right. I think people just naturally maybe go through the brainstorming process a little bit more intentionally that way. A hundred percent. Here's an easy example. If you're a photographer, you have a lot of photographers. photographers yeah. I, th I think it's still a lot of photographers. Hell yeah. What up? Photographer? I love you guys. I've a lot of photography stuff here. I love photography. I'm not great at it, but I, I like it now. So just to give you a thing. So my girlfriend's pregnant, which is amazing. And we're super excited about that. And we just hired that photographer off Snapper. So if I were him, he over delivered, which is most important. Like you over deliver on what you're promising. And if I were him, I would do two things. I would say one, Noah, you seem like you really love my service, which I do. Who is one other person that's having a baby you think I could take photos for today? And then like, I'll give him a discount because you referred me. We're like crazy now in these mom and dad groups. And like, yeah. I'm talking to so many different parents. And it's like, there's so many new customers. I can literally start referring him. And one, he can give him a discount because it's for me. I'm like, I even want to literally send stuff to my buddy, Adam Gilbert from mybodytutor.com out in Connecticut to get him photos for yeah. with his family. The, the photographer's in Florida, but you can start seeing by just doing the one referral, he can start getting more and more. The other thing that he could do is like, hey, no, if you love these photos, I'll give you 10% off. If you post one or two online, you can use my watermark, right? Yeah. So it's like, his name is Turuk. He was awesome out of Orlando. This guy, or Sarasota, the guy was fire. I love him. Hey, just if you want to, if a little discount, I'll have my watermark in there. And so you start realizing, how do I build growth into the business itself so it's more consistent? Yeah. I noticed for AppSumo and a lot of companies, it's like, how do you have more consistency so you're not always hunting for yeah. your food? And that's something we noticed, I think, a lot of maternity photographers doing is that if you're thinking about the whole maternity process, it's like you want pictures, you know, while you're pregnant and then your baby's going to be born and you're going to want pictures. And then the changes that happen between newborn and the first two years are just incredible, Dude. you know? And so you want, yeah, six months, a year. And that's what people do. You know, they're selling these two-year, it's typically a two-year package and you get photos at certain intervals. And it's such a genius way of just like- I love, ooh, this is a great dude. I'm gonna start this business. Yeah, right. And it's just a genius way to, to create some recurring revenue. And like you said, not feeling like you have to constantly be hunting for new leads. Yeah, you wanna be farming, right? So because you've worked with some person, and especially if you're just getting going and you got nothing, do what you did, literally, you know, which is sending a message out to your friends and family and people in your church or synagogue and your network. Do it for free if you have to, but you may not even need to. And then you kind of start doing a great service and you build up your experience and your confidence. Then you're going to be like, holy moly, like this can lead to different sizes of companies. To, and it may not be to be a millionaire. It could be also just to have grocery money or it could just to be have a creative outlet. Like at AppSumo.com, we have this woman, Amy. Amy is our head customer support. She also has a flower shop. <laughs> and then she just bought a hair salon business. It's like, great. Yeah. You know, it's whatever kind of life you want to create in it. And that's why it's exciting about entrepreneurship Yeah, is that it creates the opportunity for if you want to live in different places, if you want to make as much money as you want to make, if you want to spend your day, how you'd like to spend it. Like that's the beauty of it that I think people can keep their day jobs or change it. I do believe you have to get going today 
so that you have that option. Yeah. And one of the things that I really, I've really respected about you, something that's, that you've been kind of upfront about, and you kind of poke fun at this on your YouTube channel. So if you go to Noah's YouTube channel, the first video that plays like your trailer video, right? Poking fun at, I wake up at 2.39 every morning or 2.59 every morning, right? Just this idea of like what people maybe think entrepreneurship has to be, you know, this big thing where you're making loads and loads and loads of money, you know, yada, yada, yada. But really like, you know, you talk a lot about like those things that you value and then trying to create a business that allows you to enjoy those things. Um, one of them being flexibility so that you can travel. So maybe you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah. Specifically with the service business, this is one of the first blockers that a lot of people will do. Oh, well, I always have to be the one taking the photos. I was like, says who? Yeah. <laughs> who says that? You know, I have a guy on retainer and more or less once to three times a month, we make videos. And then he's like, do I always have to be here? I'm like, no, I don't care. I just need the quality high and I need to make sure it's approved by you. Go do whatever you want. One thing I've noticed from service people though, is that they're, they're not as good at business stuff. Yeah. Right. And so they're like, he never sends me invoices. Yeah. Cause it's all about the craft. You know, you get into it cause you like doing whatever it is that you're doing. He likes taking photos. So I do think it's how do you automate or find a bookkeeper or find a business person to support you. And you could find these people on like hiremymom.com or hireamom.com. That's one of my favorite sites. I've hired uh, some executive assistants off that for creatives. Number one, get going, right? Especially on the weekends. And, and that's what we all have available to us. We have 52 available to us. It won't magically be a million dollars instantly, but you take a photo one weekend and then a second weekend and the third. And then eventually you're like, oh, let me find someone else who I can then have them do this. And then I can just find new customers or just do the customers you want. Now, in terms of flexibility, I'll just work backwards from where I am today. Like I spent half my year living in Spain, in Barcelona, half the year living in Austin, Texas. One of the best parts of being an entrepreneur is being able to have the choice to how you want to spend your time. Mm. You know, I was just offline all week in Orlando. And then now I get to come and talk to you about business and marketing and promoting and services in a million dollar weekend. Like this is awesome. And to me, it's the freedom is really the, the having the choice of how I want to spend my day. And I don't have to go to meetings. Like I don't do meetings before noon. So no. at AppSumo, we have no meetings for noon for me. And it's like, guess what? Everyone else can do that too. It's not exclusive. And most people don't realize like where they are and where they want to be or who they are and who they want to be is closer than they think. But the only way you get there is you get going, right? And I think most people think they're not ready. And, and the only way to get ready is to start. Yeah. The yeah. best way to start is start right now. So yeah, I, th I think the freedom is what most people aspire to. And it doesn't mean quit your day job. I never took a risk and quit my day job. I thought it was riskier to have the day job. That sucked. I hated my day jobs Yeah, or I kept getting fired. And so I love how you lean into that part of your story. I was embarrassed. You know, I was really ashamed. And then I was even real estate recently. I've lost so much money in real estate. I really suck at it. I'm only really good at starting and running businesses. That's what I've realized. Uh, I think this year probably lost like 120, 150,000. Last year, that was last year. Just year just started. So we'll see how much I'll lose in real estate this all the, year. All the people in my Instagram feed, though, make it sound so easy. Oh, uh, these people are, they're selling you a course. That's the problem, <laughs> right? Like, I don't trust anyone who is getting rich from a book or a course. That's my rule. Like, I'm already rich from AppSumo and from like from doing that for the past like tons of years. This book doesn't get me rich. So yeah. I think you got to be selective. <laughs> I know I'm not supposed to say shit like that, but it's like, I'd be selective who you learn from. I've shared a lot of the things that have not worked. And what I realized is when I was sharing that I got fired by Facebook and that I didn't get rich at mint.com. And then even on the YouTube channel, getting rejected all day long, I realized that people appreciated seeing the realness and the struggle just as much as they like seeing the success. So in our videos, it's me failing. Like, I'm, you know, I'm doing the 48 hour challenge in about 10 hours or, yeah, you know, it starts in 10 hours. I'm going to go knock on doors and see if I can sell lawn care business <laughs> to yeah. people. I think a lot of gurus are, experts will talk to you about it and they'll tell you about it, but I'm going to go show you and, you know, find, see what we can find out. Yeah. And you're going to release a video on this at the end of the month. So we're actually right around the time this episode airs, that video is probably coming out. Give us like a high level overview, first steps. So you're going to start this lawn care business or AI, you know, whatever, whatever idea you end up choosing, give us kind of the high level plan yeah. on what you're going to do in those 48 hours. Yeah. So if we zoom out, I break things down into basically starting it, building it and growing it. I don't think I'll have time to make a million dollars this weekend, but the idea is how do I get started, right? That's the whole premise that everyone has 52 weekends available to get things going worldwide. So starting it really is around fear of starting and the fear of asking. So the fear of starting is the coffee challenge and that's fear of starting and fear of asking. And then also the dollar challenge. So the dollar challenge 
can I get a dollar from someone in my network? So I'll probably call my brother and I'll just be like, yo, give me a dollar. And he's like, why? I was like, well, I'm doing a million dollar weekend. And there's scripts and all this stuff in the book that'll help a lot of other people, but it's just more practicing the now mindset. Let's just get going. But I just want to show people it. I think people are going to be excited. And I think my brother will say no. And I think my, I'll do my mom as well and maybe one other person, but I think my mom will say yes, but she won't know how to do Venmo or PayPal. <laughs> so I might not get any money. But the point is, is just getting going and, and then doing the coffee challenge. So I'll go out to different places locally and probably get rejected, but just see what, what happens by asking for a discount. And again, these are things that are silly and they're supposed to be fun. Like making money and having a business shouldn't be hard work. It should be work that you enjoy. And is it going to be challenging? Yeah. I don't want this book to be a nagging book. That's never been exciting for me or others to, to get motivated. So part one really is just the mindset about starting and asking. Part two is now about building it. So how do I find the ideas? So lawn care is just one. I think people are, it's different. I want to show how to do a service business like that. AI or something else. Maybe it'll be even like a, an agency business. I think that'll be interesting. Like maybe photography, maybe this maternity one. I actually kind of like that. Uh, and the third one will be the DocuSign alternative because I just hate paying for the subscription. Now, what you have to do next is really two things. One, you check if it's a million dollar opportunity. How do you do that? You can look at Google Trends and I break it down really detailed in the book as well as you can get the free resources at milliondollarweekend.com. You can go Google Trends just to see how things are going. But what really what I'm looking for, frankly, is how many people have this problem and how much are they spending on it or something tangential? And what I'm trying to understand is, is there a, at least a million dollars in profit that I could make in this market over some period of time? How long that time period is? I actually think it takes people around five to 10 years to make a million dollars in profit. Not your house is worth a million, but after you sell it, how much money do you have? So then that to me is a million dollars. So making sure that you're working on something that people actually want, like Christmas lights, million dollar opportunity. I don't think it's a billion, but definitely a million dollar opportunity worldwide. Now, second thing that you need to do is a business model. And I call it the one minute business model, which is if I'm selling Christmas lights or if I'm selling, let's take lawn care, how much is the lawn care? Let's say it's 50 bucks a week. How much does that cost me? Maybe I have to pay someone $10, $20. I make $30. All right. Now, how much do I have to sell to make a million? I have to sell 10,000 lawn cares. Okay. That's a lot, whatever that is. Now, how do I have to change it so I can actually make it? And I think what you said earlier, Davey, is really smart. For the maternity one, maybe you sell them two-year projects. So for lawn care, hey, can I sell you a three-month package, six-month package, 12-month package? All right, let's go back to the one-minute business model. If now it's instead of weekly, it's monthly and it's 200 or it's quarterly and it's 600, how many do I have to sell? Well, you only have to sell 30 to make a million or let's just call it 100 to make a million. And so again, everything is really quick and people are like, it's really simple. I'm like, yeah, I'm making it intentionally simple. I only have a weekend. I only have 48 hours available. And so... For me, I already have the, the problems, but as well in the book, we break down a lot of how you come up with ideas and opportunities, but you have to make sure once you have them. And again, people are like, I don't have any ideas. We'll help you. If you have too many ideas, don't worry. Let's just do the first one. But it's about the practice and experimenting. People put so much pressure. Like I have to make this to work. It's like, guess what? Most things don't work and use an experimenter mindset because if it doesn't work great, what do we learn? As you said, Davey, and what do we move on to? So let's take lawn care again, made sure it's a million dollar business. Great. Check the business model. I have to sell it quarterly. Great. Now I have to go validate it and then potentially grow it. So how do I validate? There's three ways you can validate it. With lawn care, one, you could post it on local marketplaces. So Facebook, Nextdoor, Craigslist. Maybe you have like a mom's group locally, or maybe there's other groups locally in people's neighborhoods. So I would say, hey, I'm doing a lawn care. My friend is like, you could post in a WhatsApp group. Most people have local WhatsApp groups. Doing this lawn care thing. Does anyone have a house that they want? Or anyone else have a have a friend that has a house that I can do lawn for? So posting marketplaces is one. Pre-selling to people within your network is two. So posting to WhatsApp groups, email groups, text groups, or knocking on doors, which I don't think people should do, but that's something that I'm going to go do just to kind of make it a little bit more interesting. Lastly, what I would not do for the lawn care one is like do ads or landing pages, but that is another alternative for people. Yeah. And really what I'm trying to find out in that kind of this phase is can I get three customers in 48 hours? Because if you cannot get three in 48 hours, it's just going to get harder. Mm -hmm. It's not going to get easier. People are like, well, you know, maybe no, it's only going to get harder. And then the last part, which I'm, I'm not going to touch on too much in, in the 48 hour challenge is how do I take it now from, I have some validation. I've made it maybe a hundred dollars or $500. Now, how do I start making that consistent and grow the business? But I, I think that's going to be part two. And that's really not, not what I'm focusing on. What I'm focusing on is how do I prove to people and show that with a lawn care business, I'm going to knock on doors. I'm going to ask my neighbors. I'm going to see if I can do that. And the same thing, pretty much same format, same framework applies for a service business. And the same thing will apply for the same thing on the DocuSign alternative. And 
to be clear, it might fail. And guess what? That's great. I didn't build a website. I don't have a Shopify store. I didn't get a domain. And I could see if this is actually businesses people really want. And then if it, they do want, great. Now I can deliver and scale that out. Yeah. I think this is so smart. I especially think, you know, I know you don't love the uh, knocking on doors idea. I think especially for the lawn care business idea, that's a great, I've hired quite a few people actually that just come and knocked on the door and been like, hey, really? can I your yard? You're a friendly guy. What stuff did you buy from the door? Lawn care. So just like mowing, trimming, weed whacking, that sort of thing. But then also people who come and spray for like mosquitoes. We used to live in Annapolis on an island out off Annapolis. Oh, you lived in Annapolis? Dude, that place is super cool. Oh yeah, we loved it. That's where my wife and I, we both grew up there and we lived on this island called Kent Island. And so, you know, as you can imagine in the summer, mosquitoes got bad. But yeah, I mean, people were just coming up to the the door and saying, hey, can I help you with this? I mean, like I almost never responded to, you know, I get a million flyers for the same thing, but I think there's something about somebody showing up on your door. I guess I just respect that kind of hustle, you know? Yeah. I think part of it is when I start businesses and I've done these challenges over the years and shown people it, they're always so, oh, well, why didn't you do something super hard for yourself? And it's like, why? Why not try to start a business that you're interested in and you have access or called the zone of influences of people that you could actually help? Right. Like if you want to be a photographer for weddings, like you should probably have you've been to a few weddings or you have people getting married. But if you're not within that network, like what else could you do photography for to make it easier on yourself? So starting a lawn care business, I'm just going to go to my neighbors. They know me. And guess what? I can ask them who else has a lawn. You could look on Google Maps and see who else has lawns or you can just walk around your neighborhood and ask them like, hey, do you know that other person across the street? Can you introduce me? Sure. It's a lot easier than trying to make something much harder on yourself, which I think people, what I've observed is people make it harder on themselves. Like, all right, I'm going to do this business. I have no expertise and no network in because when they fail, they're not embarrassed. When they yeah. fail, there's no challenge. There's no learning, but there's also nothing that I think they have an advantage in, in that place. Yeah. One of my friends, he owns a wedding venue, also an entrepreneur. He once said something that I thought was pretty insightful. And he, he talked about how, you know, he feels like everybody has a competitive advantage somewhere. And a lot of like entrepreneurship is figuring out that intersection of your competitive advantage that leg up that you just sort of naturally have, maybe because you're interested in something like lawn care, you know, and that's just something that like you do as a hobby for yourself that you really get a lot of energy from or whatever. And finding that intersection with the intersection of, you know, I'm really interested in this as well. So yeah, I mean, I just, I agree. I, I don't think you have to make things harder than they have to be. I like the phrase, it should be fun. And if it's not fun, you're probably doing work or you have a job and, and you can actually change that. And then thinking about differently, like, oh my God, I get to do these things. Like I get to promote stuff for me, or I get to take photos of people. And like, that could be my career. Isaac, who's the videographer for a lot of our content, we get to travel around the world making videos about people. Like how cool is that? And so thinking about what do you have within your network or within your abilities to make it easier and enjoyable for yourself to be successful. So yeah, totally agree with you. Yeah. Well, I'd love to chat just kind of about a few random things. I know we only have a few minutes left here. Let's do it. Do you? Let's do it. Because again, I've, I've been following you for what, like seven, eight years now at least. So I have a lot of questions that have kind of built up along the way. One of the things that you talk about that I love and something that, again, I've tried to apply is the law of 100. Doing something 100 times before maybe even giving up on it. Maybe you could speak to that. What is the law of 100? Why do you think it's valuable? Everyone listening or watching has quit too soon. You have, I have, it's in all of us. And so it's something that I've observed about how do we not quit too soon? How do we quit at the right time? And so what I've noticed is that if you can commit to 100, so what the law of 100 is for me, it's like, if I'm doing content, could be 100 videos. If I'm doing, let's just say photography business, could I ask 100 people to be my customer? Then you quit. Yeah. And just having a little bit of a light framework makes it much easier to keep going and then realizing okay, this is not working. I'm trying these things and it's just not working, right? So let's say you want to do the 48-hour validation and you just need three customers. Talk to at least 100, then you quit. And I quit, I've definitely quit too soon. Like on my podcast, I quit too soon. On my YouTube channel in the past, I quit too soon. For me with the YouTube channel, I stuck with it. And we did at our 148th video was the one that finally worked. It was me knocking on doors in Austin that finally worked. And I was like, okay, thank God I didn't quit too soon. Yeah. And now if you go to that series, right, it's like 4 million views, 2.8 million views. You know, it's yeah, like everything in that series is in the millions. Yeah. And I've seen it again. There's a guy named Trent Dressel. He wanted to do YouTube and he was doing all these types of videos. And I said, Trent, two things. One, what's your unique advantage? What is your unfair advantage that only you can do? He's like, well, I do sales as a junior sales guy and no one's really doing a lot of content about that. I'm like, okay, just do content about that. 
So who's your customer? What's the problem? You know, sales and things that you can help them with. Secondly, just do 100 videos, then you can quit. And now I think he's at 40 or 50,000 subscribers. He started at almost at zero. Yeah, amazing. And so this doesn't just apply to content. I think it can really apply in everything in business. You know, with AppSumo.com, if you think about it, I did the first deal and it did well, but really I only got rich. And this is really applies to Law of 100. I only got actually rich, like millionaire, cash millionaire after about seven years. Seven years. It wasn't in 24 hours like all the, again, my Instagram tells me something different about how you're supposed to get rich. I do think if it's easy, I, I hate all these crypto people because they make getting rich too easy sometimes, but also they get poor too easy. Sure. Is that I do think you can start a successful business, but it takes time though to actually get rich with it. And the point of Million Dollar Weekend and generally the re reason I encourage this stuff is that I've tried some businesses that didn't work right away. And that that's the reality. And then I found AppSumo and I was like, oh, this one worked right away. Great. Let's run with this one. But I've tried reward level. No one really used it. I, I can't even explain what we did. I tried softwaretaco.com. It was a software review site. No one used that. And it was trying and trying and trying, experimenting, 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 kept going, got one that worked AppSumo. And now that it worked, it's like, all right, how do I stick with these things better? And yeah. only through being able to, you know, the law of 100, I think has been a great framework for a lot of people. It's been one of the biggest breakthroughs I've seen others, whether they're doing content, whether they're doing a service business, whatever that is, to stick with it. Because it does take time and consistency for success. Yeah. Well, we're trying to double down on YouTube this year, but I was talking with my team about the law of 100. Like we're going to, we're going to try putting out hundred videos and see, see where it 100%. goes, you know, because I think we've suffered from sort of that same thing. There's the start, stop and not being consistent there. But with the podcast, you know, we're 200 plus episodes deep. One of the things that's really stuck with me is something Seth Godin, I think once said where he was like, you know, I pretty much say yes to every single podcast interview, as long as that person has, and I forget the exact number, but I want to say it was like a hundred episodes. He's like, because people typically don't make it past like episode six, you know, he's, so he's like, I'm not gonna commit my time to being like episode number five on this podcast when that person's probably not going to make it past episode six. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. Again, even, you know, I've quit too soon. Like my podcast, I quit at episode 30 and it's like, man, if I just would have stuck with it, it would have been so much bigger than it is today. Like I ended up restarting it and now I'm sticking with it. I think the question that people wonder though is like, how do you know whether to stick with something or quit? And that's why for me, it's okay. Can I see if there's any validation? That's what I, what works for me. And it's working. Like I started my whole YouTube channel shirtless in my house and it worked, meaning I got a few hundred views and I was like, okay, I like this. Now I can stick with it. It makes it, you know, but if you're doing something and you get zero results in a weekend, it's like, okay, let me do a lot of it. It's like, mm, why don't you find something that, that you like and others like? And, and that's really a lot of what this Venn diagram of business is, is like things you want to do, things the world wants. Yeah. Balancing that intersection, which is out there. I think people need that optimism. Oh man, there's never going to be something I can do. It's like hundred percent, but go try a bunch of things that don't work. And then you'll find one that works. You're like, holy shit, this is kind of working. It's like, great. Now let's make sure we stick with it because it's not going to instantly get a million views. Like my first video got 300 views. And then we got excited about videos that did like a thousand views or 5,000 views. And now if a video does like a hundred thousand views, I'm like, oh, that failed. <laughs> It does fail and, it, and it's annoying, but it's like, okay, well, what do we learn from, what do we learn for the future? Yeah. And now I'm like, I'm on a 10 year plan for content. So as you find that you can now decide after a hundred, do you want to quit with it or stick with it? For me, it's more about longevity and sustainability. So how do you create systems or content or a business where you're like, I just want to keep doing this for the rest of my life? Yeah. How do you create so much content? I mean, you pretty much share, it seems like almost everywhere it seems at least weekly, if not yeah. daily. So how do you do that? So coming back for everyone who's getting going, I just started with one channel and I only focused on YouTube. So what I'd recommend for everyone out there is just pick one channel. If you are just getting started and you're doing more than one channel, it's too much. That's number one. Yeah. Right. And then get good at making that channel your best. So if it's YouTube, like try figuring out for me, I found I was doing three videos a week for a year. And then only at the end of the year, when basically nothing was really working, we did the knocking on doors and we didn't, we stopped doing all the other channels. We didn't do Instagram. We didn't do LinkedIn. We didn't do Twitter, didn't do Facebook, didn't do anything. So pick one channel. And then over time we've built that up, right? So now there's, there's a whole team just on YouTube. And then we have a two person team on the other channels. And then we have a dedicated team for just shorts. So I probably spend somewhere around half a million dollars creating content around myself, not even around myself, but just around the things that I like. I think we end up losing around 250,000 of it, but it's an investment. And then, frankly, I like it. I really like doing this stuff, but it started with just me and Mitchell 
doing YouTube stuff shirtless. Like you can go see those videos and see how it then two years later, then it was like, okay, I think we have this system dialed in on YouTube that we can now hire someone to help us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Mm -hmm. All right. This YouTube stuff is working. Now I feel comfortable. We can hire an agency to do our short stuff. That was only after a few years. Cause in the beginning I did try to do what everyone's doing. Like I'll do a YouTube video and I'll tweet about it. Then I'll put a shorts about it. It's like, no, just one thing exceptionally well. How much of that, like sharing across the different platforms is repurposing content that already exists? Almost a hundred percent. Yeah. Amazing. And here's an easy one. I literally just repurpose the same things over and over. So we're tweeting the same stuff we tweeted six months ago, but just tweeting it brand new. Yeah. Most people don't realize in business that most people haven't seen their stuff, nor do people care about your stuff. So you do have to kind of post it over and over. And what we aim for, who's your customer? So we call them the underdogs. And then what's the materials you, you are creating content around? People call it content buckets. So for me, it's I basically ultimately are doing challenges, right? Where I ask people on the streets or on their doors, or I'm asking billionaires for advice about how they got to where they are. And that's pretty much exclusively the two types of content we're posting around. That's what we found worked for us. So I think people should be aiming like, what's the messaging you can just keep doing on repeat over and over. I, I think people try to be too broad versus like have two buckets that you're just like, these are the messages that people like that I post and I'm just going to post it over and over. And then for instance, I posted a tweet about law, you know, law of 100 people love it. All right, that's great. Then I post about Drake. Only 10% of his songs get popular or hit over a certain amount of views. Then it's like, oh, the Beatles have the same thing. And then you just kind of find these areas and just keep hammering it over and over. Yeah. And what most people do is they're like, well, I should be innovative and novel. It's like, no, you know how you can do be successful? Just keep doing what works. Yeah. And I think it builds trust too, because like if someone were to ask me like, hey, what's No Kagan about? I could rattle off three or four things that I've, I've heard from you over and over again, from the coffee discount challenge to your yeah. cycling and tacos. <laughs> tacos, we have a lot. Yeah. I mean, just to all these different things. I would say in my 20s, Davey, I was chasing and trying to do too many things. Ultimately, as I figured all this out in my 40s and as I figure I'm more out going as I get older, I think it's find the things that are working and then just really stick with those. Because yeah. too often, I, I hear, see it so many times with entrepreneurs like, hey, I was doing this business and it worked. It's like, what do you do now? Ah, I just, you know, I'm gonna do something new. It's like, you know, the best way to do something new is just do the thing that works and keep innovating on that. And I've actually found that to be the most rewarding I have so many more questions for you, but I want to respect your time. No, I got, I got three minutes. Let's do power minute questions, dude. We got it. Yeah. Okay. So how you decide what content you'll consume. I imagine you also watch YouTube. You know, it sounds like you're on Reddit, that sort of thing. Like, how do yep. you balance that by being a creator versus being a consumer of content? I spend about, what's crazy, I probably spend about five, 10% of my week making content just to give people an idea. So I, it's really, a, in most businesses and any, you, you, you build a team around you. So there's Jay and Sylvie who help create content for me on the social media that are amazing. I consume a lot of YouTube. I probably consume, give or take, around five to 10 hours at least a week. It's my, probably my number one source. And so I follow poker vlogs, chess vlogs, squash, camping, outdoors. I don't consume anybody else in business because I don't, I don't really respect a lot of them in the sense that they haven't done businesses I admire. I like learning from people that have done businesses that I admire, not necessarily people that are selling books or courses about that stuff. On Instagram, I just find it too distracting. So I only follow my girlfriend and a few other people that are inspiring, like cycling stuff. I don't use TikTok. I find that trash. I find Twitter pretty good. I'm pretty obsessed with Twitter, but I don't really spend a lot of time creating as much on that. I don't find that the audience is growing as actively as it is on YouTube. Sure. Sure. Anytime on like threads or something like that. I wouldn't second guess Facebook though. Don't count them out with the yeah. distribution power they have. I think one of the things that most people don't do enough is that anytime you're annoyed on these platforms, I just block people all the time. I probably block a person a day or and on Twitter, specifically, I'll mute. Like you see someone, I won't even put shade on people, but you see them and they're like, oh, this person's so annoying. And it's like, they're posting about their business or they're posting how like, I don't work hard enough. Just mute them. And I just try to have more people that make me feel good about myself or feel inspired. Yeah. They'll go mute someone's ass. And if, you're, if I'm annoying you, mute my ass. It's fine. Yeah. Of all the billionaires and millionaires that you've talked to, what's like kind of the one biggest takeaway or just the one thing, one idea that's just stuck with you, you know, that you've been ruminating on? It's not just one. I would say a few things. One, none of them set out to be billionaires. I think mm. that's surprising. Most people are like, I need to get rich. Like the, the rich people on earth didn't try to get rich, but you are. So that might be something to think about. I think the other two things that are interesting is they all got rich just on one way. So in business and entrepreneurship, you only need to have one hit, just one. And I think people think, ah, no, and, but guess what? A lot of the billionaires have tried so many things. They swung a lot of times. It didn't work. And they finally found one thing. And I'd say the last thing, kind of coming back to the law of 100, most of them did not become billionaires for 20 years. Mm. And so they didn't try to become a billionaire. 
they swung a lot. They found one thing and then they stuck with it for a very long period of time. And most of them seem to enjoy it. But I think those are really key takeaways is just keep swinging, find a thing, stick with it for an extended period of time. And who knows where you'll be? I thank myself every day. Almost every single day, I think, thank God I did started 13 years ago so I could be where I am now. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that, that I've walked away with is just the importance of sales. I thought in your latest video too, that, that distinction between sales and marketing, not treating them necessarily as the same thing. So that's been something I think that's been sitting with me for the last few months is whether I've taken enough intentional time to really learn about sales. You know, like I like to think that I'm good at sales, just the stuff that I picked up along the way being an entrepreneur, but really looking at that again. Yeah, I think there's a misconception that people have that selling is bad and rejection is bad. It's like, no, it's learning. And it, if you believe you're doing, like if you believe your service is good, like your photography or your agency or your software or your lawn care is good, I get excited yeah. to go tell people about it. It's and so I think find the thing that you're actually excited to tell people and don't think of it as a sale. Think of it as like you're actually giving them a benefit. Yeah. And if they say no to it, be like, oh, it seems like this would benefit you. I'd love to learn why not. I also think it's disorienting to talk to somebody that's not selling you. The CarMax experience, I don't know if you've ever bought a car at CarMax. It's, I love it. <laughs> but it's like, hey, this is what I'm looking for. Tell me about these vehicles. And they're just kind of like, yeah, they're good. You know, I like all of them. You know, and that's, that's what you get from them. And you're like, what? I'd much rather go to a dealership where someone wants to sell me on a car. I think there's a time. There's times I just want to like get my thing versus be sold. But I think there's times, and, and when I did say, my first sales job was at Macy's in bedsheets. And one of the things they, they did that was teaching, and I, and I do have to go, this is a, a cool example. They taught us sales by showing us a waiter. And there was one waiter that came and said, hey, what do you want for dinner? And they're like, oh, I'd like uh, the pizza, I'd like the pasta, you know, I'd like to give me the salad. It's like, okay, thanks. Then they showed this example of this other way. And this is how we did learn sales training at Macy's. They showed this other example of a waiter and said, oh my God, welcome to the restaurant. How are you guys doing today? Oh, okay. I've just got to tell you. So I recently ate the pasta parmigiana probably one of the best I've ever had. And I would get that with this one wine. It is phenomenal. Do you want me to put that on the menu for you or put that on your order for you? Yeah, great. Oh, and do you like cakes and stuff? Oh my God, you've got it. And so you're not even selling them, but that's, that's literally sales, yeah. right? You're selling them. And then, oh, do you want to upgrade that to a large, you might actually need it and then you could share it or take it home. Trust me, it'll probably be better for you. And you could start seeing like, oh, wow, that is a sale too. Yeah. And yeah. you start doing it in a way, but they're not selling you. They think it's actually good for you. If it really is, then it's really more doing a service. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, thank you, uh, Noah, so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Like I said, I've been following you for a long time, so it's been great over the past few months to have a few conversations with you. It's always nice to, when you're following somebody for a long time and then you meet <laughs> them in person and, it, and the person that you meet, it matches up with the person that you follow for a long time. So thank you. Really respect a lot of the content that you've put out over the years. Thank I you, know man. it's been important to just my growth as, a, as an entrepreneur and the way that we run our businesses. Wow. And yeah, I'm excited to share this episode with others. Thank you for having me on, man. It's good to see you. And I look forward to, to pointing you guys. Like I'm excited for you guys to have success with Sumo Me or I don't know if, what you're gonna, if it's Formalytics, if that's the name that's going to be coming out. Your Formalytics is just the company that we had to form in order to you know, acquire the company. Right. You know? So we will rebrand it at some point just because this, you know, the Sumo brand is so closely tied to yeah, yeah, what you all do. Probably a good idea. Yeah, but we'll do so that in the future. So I'll help you guys out. We already talked about this off before the show. But yeah, we're, yeah, I'm definitely excited to promote you guys and help you as well getting that going. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Brands of Book Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, and sharing this episode with others. For show notes and other resources, head on over to DavianKrista.com.